This is a weird question, but how has this impacted your social life? How are people reacting to you on the street with your bucket and your trash picker in hand? Are people like, hey, here's a normal guy doing his part to pick up trash. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Do they they wonder who you are, where you're from? Do they ignore you? I'm glad you asked this, too. It's an interesting kind of sociology experiment in a way because a lot of people thank me. A lot of people say, we need more people like you. I'm like, come on. Come on, let's do it. Um, But those are all older people. It is so rare that a younger person even acknowledges that I exist. I don't know why that is. It just happens to be the case. This is a real, real thing. Real, 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 real thing. We're in the wedge neighborhood right now, 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 It was about visual effects, about my my day job um stuff. Yeah. I did Google you and it showed me like a bunch of visual effects stuff. Did I see ILM on there? Yeah, yeah. I used to work at Industrial Light and Magic and um they were particularly interested. This uh podcast is called The Companion and um they're into science fiction. Um, and I worked on a Star Trek movie uh, where Captain Kirk was killed. So they wanted to interview the guy that killed Captain Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> are you re- are you responsible? <laughs> I'm not the writer, but but I did the visual effects for 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 the stuff that uh, oh. that destroyed the planet and, and all that stuff. Yeah, well, that's kind of interesting. This is the Wedge Live podcast. I'm your host, John Edwards, and today I'm joined by Henry Labanta. Uh, I'm going to call Henry, can I call you the trash man? What should I call you? Yes, I like that. I like being known as a trash man. Thanks, John. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I was clued into your existence by my friend and occasional co-host, Paula Chesley, who is your neighbor. Yeah. And uh, she introduced us and pointed me to an article or an interview you did with Southwest Voices about your, I don't want to, I don't know if it's a hobby. You definitely seem very into this. Tell, tell our audience it's, what you do before we start talking about it. Sure. It's, um, it's maybe more of an obsession, actually. Uh, we moved here a couple of years ago and I noticed a lot of trash in Lake of the Isles and I like to kayak in Lake of the Isles, but I don't like kayaking in trash. That's just no fun. Um, it took me about a year to figure out that the trash on the streets goes through the storm drains and ends up in the lake. Um, so Paula and others have been super helpful in a new effort of, let's see if we can pick up the trash on the streets before they get into the storm drains and into the lake. Um, so I walk my dog every day, sometimes twice a day, uh, and uh, Shiner and I pick up trash Oh, and he's he's a good companion for that. So how long ago did this start? Did you start doing this? I started doing it, uh, let's see, the year before last. And the only data I captured then was kind of that summer and fall. Um, 
was how many syringes I was picking up because I could easily keep track of those. But I wasn't counting how many buckets of trash I was picking up. Uh, and then at my wife's uh, uh, wise suggestion, I started a spreadsheet last year, just over a year ago now, where I keep track of you know what I've picked up, where I've picked it up. Um, so I've got a bunch of totals now for, uh, and, and including you know a lot of trash I've picked up in the wedge uh, neighborhood for sure. Did you start it like out on your kayak? Is that how you started doing it? And then it became like a walking thing? Yeah, exactly. So I was in my kayak and I pick up trash and, you know, you can only fit so much trash in a bag in the cockpit of your kayak. Uh, so it was just overwhelming. And uh, my Uncle Jack here had waders. So I, I got his waders from him and I started walking around, you know, the edge of the lake and the waders and picking up trash in the water. And I got it to a point where it was a bit cleaner and then I could reach the trash from the shore. And right now it's actually a good time to do it before everything grows in. Once everything grows in around the shore of the lake, it's a little harder to get at, at everything. Uh, but then it, kayaking around for a while, I was kind of like, you know, I just picked up this entire area and had it really clean. Why is there so much trash again? I thought it was all legacy trash. And somebody had said, oh, maybe it's because we're on the leeward side of the lake and all just blows here. And I thought it was coming from people that were picnicking or something like that. But it wasn't that kind of trash. You know, it was the stuff that was like people wouldn't be picnicking with this kind of stuff. Like, what is all this stuff doing in here? Um, and we had a big rain in that area that I just cleaned up all nice and neat. It was all full of trash again. I was like, ah, oh, it's not just trash that's been here for years. There's a lot of that, uh, but it's trash that, you know, washes through those drains. Uh, so what happens is, uh, you know, plastic bottles and cans and all that stuff are in the curbs. Cars drive over them when they're parking. And our storm grates are such that that stuff just slides right through. Um, and all the storm drains all throughout the Twin Cities, throughout most of America, really, drain to the nearest waterway, whether or not it's a lake or a river. Um, and uh, yeah, and then we get to see it in our beautiful lake, which is no fun. So have you done any research into how we would prevent things from washing into our lake? How would we prevent the trash from getting that far? What, what do we need to do? I have, yeah. So there's a couple things we can do. Um, I talked to Sean Connedy uh, who has been working with Lake Hiawatha for years and years, doing great work with the volunteers there. And I talked to Liz Stout, um, who's with Public Works, and um, she's like head, you know, water quality expert there. Um, so there's a couple things we can do. One is we can put a boom around the culvert, like the Euclid culvert on Lake of the Isles um, is the outflow, as they call it where a bunch of the storm drains from all of Hennepin drain out. Um, and I noticed when I was kayaking around the lake that most of the trash was right around that one culvert. And I was like, why is it all here? Because it blows here? What's up with that? And then I got the map from Commissioner Schaefer, who's our park board commissioner. She's wonderful. Elizabeth is just wonderful. And that map shows that all those storm drains um, from Hennepin, you know, up maybe it starts up by Lowry Hill meets up that way all the way down to not quite Lake street and including pretty much all of the wedge uh, community as well. 
um, all that stuff, um, you know, and there's a lot of, you know, commercial businesses, uh, you know, that stuff all drains to one outflow there. So by using that boom, what I was hoping we could do is capture it when it goes in the lake before it spreads all over the lake. And then um, I've got a big uh, pool skimmer and then we could kind of just lift it out of there. We're still working with the parks board. Our neighborhood association is happy to uh, pay for the boom. We just need the parks board help installing it. Um, so that's one solution. And there's several other solutions as well. You want me to go through them? Should we? I don't know. Are they interesting? Uh, I think they're interesting. Give me the other solutions. So I've heard okay. a little bit about this boom thing in regards yeah. to Lake Hiawatha. Right. I think the city recently approved like a water quality thing. Were you following that? I was, yeah. They did a study, Lake Hiawatha, and then there was a big grant. Um, and they're putting in some booms in Lake Hiawatha to test that out. Um, and their plan was if it works there, then, you know, a couple of years from now or whatever, um, it might be used in other lakes. I wasn't too fond of the particular boom they chose because it's orange. It kind of looks ugly. You know, it's something that looks a little nicer in uh, Lake of the Isles. Um, and, uh, you know, the uh, solution I came up with has is a structured a little different way that I think might capture more trash. Um, but there is a couple other things. What we need to do is really go upstream. So if we can prevent the trash from even getting in the storm drains, then that's going to make a big difference. Um, so good news is that there's Hennepin reconstruction going to happen here in the next few years. Um, and they're going to have to replace those storm drain uh, uh, covers, the, the grates. So you can get drains to waterways grates. Um, so these are grates that prevent trash from going through. In addition to that, you can get this thing called a litter trap that kind of goes right under that grate. And it's got kind of a big mesh bag on it. So any trash that gets through the grate gets captured in that um, little trap thing. You just, you know, uh, open up the grate. We personally couldn't do this. The city would have to do this. And they just empty it out. Um, and there's 50,000 of those installed internationally. So it's a kind of a proven uh, thing for capturing the trash before it gets to the lake. So, so I wonder why don't we have these things implemented already? Has it been, is it just a new technology? That's a brilliant question. So one reason is that Believe it or not, trash was not recognized as water pollution until only recently. There is uh, you know, legislation that happened in California, for example, where communities are required to prevent their trash from draining into the waterways. And once that happened, um, then they had to take action. Um, and that's why a whole bunch of these are happened to be installed in California in certain communities where that's a law. I think it's only recently that uh, trash is considered a water pollutant in uh, Minnesota. Um, and there are there uh, rules around water pollution and uh, uh, mitigating that. Uh, but for a long time, uh, even recently in discussions about the, you know, Isles, uh, Cedar Isles uh, master plan that uh, Parks Board was working on, trash isn't mentioned. It's like, yeah, that, that's not a that's not a factor that doesn't have anything to do with water pollution but it does it really does it is water pollution so that's a that's a problem i think the city recently added uh, trash to their i forget what the name of the document is but it recently became 
basically classified as a pollutant in Minneapolis. Am I right about that? That's a big step forward. Exactly. That's a big step forward. Yeah. Yeah. Was there a third strategy? Yes, there is. There is a third strategy. And this is something I suggested, but I found some research recently. University of Minnesota did. They just published last year, I think it was. And they were researching, like, what's the most cost-effective, easiest solution for um, preventing trash? It's not just trash. It's also phosphorus that comes from leaves and and other organic material that goes into the uh, storm drains. So what they found was the simplest, most direct thing is street sweeping. makes so much sense. If you just sweep the streets more often, less material is going to get into those storm drains. Only water is supposed to go through the storm drains, ideally. Um, and water won't get backed up and, uh, you know, and cause floods and all that stuff if they sweep the streets more often. So I was able to get a map of the street sweeping in our in Minneapolis, basically. And the first map I got showed that Hennepin was not considered a commercial street. Lindale, Nicollet, um, Franklin, Lake Street are commercial streets. So they get swept more often. But Hennepin apparently is not a commercial street, which is kind of crazy, right? That's um, weird. Yeah. So from that map, it looked like it was only swept every month. More recently, I got another map that is the night street sweeping map and it gives me the impression that hennepin is swept every two weeks so what i'd like to ask for is like the rest of the commercial streets can you just sweep it once a week um you know it's honestly just a stretch they're going all around it anyway it really i don't think would take that much time um and i think you know i know people are upset about the parking situation that we'll have on hennepin when uh the reconstruction happens. But um, one of the challenges they have is if there are cars parked, then that street sweeping you know, doesn't work in that area. Um, right. But if they're doing the street sweeping in the evening and there's no cars parked there, uh, that will help a lot. I mean, it'd be great if people just didn't throw trash on the ground all the time, but you just wouldn't believe the stuff right. I find. So yeah, it's, very, um, it's very frustrating. Yeah. Whenever I walk by like the gas station at uh, 22nd and Lindale, like... There's something about gas stations, something about these like highly trafficked streets. I don't know if it's coming from cars or people just like collecting trash in their cars. And then when they step out of their car, it just like flows out into the street. I don't know. Do you, you don't have any hypotheses about uh, where this trash is coming from? What kind of places are producing the most trash? Yeah. You know, I think fast food places are definitely... A problem area, of course, uh, because there's a lot of packaging involved with, you know, what people are buying. And it's something that they're only going to consume briefly, and then they got to get rid of the packaging. Um, so uh, what I've noticed, too, is I've been picking up trash as I pick up a lot of trash from the parking lots of some of these places. And it's just tons of trash. So people get their food to go, you know, they're finishing off their drink or their hamburger or whatever it is, a piece of pizza. And they're like, okay, I'm done with that. You know, throw it on the ground. Not my problem. <laughs> I, I guess that makes sense to some people. I just couldn't do it myself. There's a trash can that's only a few steps away. Um, but um, I think getting those parking lots cleaned more often would help too. And I've talked to some of the business owners about that. Um, and some of them have services that do it. Um, and some of them are owned by corporate 
um, and they have to get approval to do that. So it's a little easier to talk to the ones that are kind of privately owned. Uh, but you know, if if they cleaned up their parking lots, or even better yet, I mean, when I was a kid, I thought there were signs like, you know, at the door as you're exiting, saying, you know, please dispose of your trash properly in a trash can. You know, just little reminders, maybe. Would that help? Maybe. I don't know. Or maybe more trash cans. There are some trash cans on the streets, and quite often they're overflowing. Um, right. And there's a lot of trash near them, but not in them. Right. The, that's one thing I wonder about a ton, about the lack of trash cans and the politics of trash cans. And I wonder, like, do they not put trash cans out because they don't want to be responsible for emptying them? Like, they, the rare trash can you see in some places is, like, overflowing. Yeah. And I yeah. just wonder, like, well, if we put a trash can out, it's going to fill up real quick. And then we're responsible <laughs> yeah. for emptying that trash can on some right. very frequent basis. And I wonder if it's like, yeah, yeah I, I wonder, just like I wonder about, like, the politics of park benches. Like, well, we don't want to make these too comfortable. Someone will lay down <laughs> on it. Things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't gotten quite that deep into it. I mean, there is a there's this thing called a special service district. And uh, certain areas of around, especially around Lake Lake and Hennepin, um, they have uh, sweep and br uh, pan, pan uh, broom and pan kind of service. So these guys come out on, I think Monday, Wednesday, Friday, down by uh, Hennepin and Lake, and they sweep up the sidewalks. I'm told I haven't seen them do it yet, um, but maybe I'm just not in the right place at the right time. Uh, so they're going to pick up the the trash is going somewhere at some point, um, what's the easiest place to kind of gather it and dispose of it and as much upstream as we can go. Cause once it's spread all over the lake, oh my God, it is so tedious to get each straw, each bottle cap, each candy wrapper that's, you know, uh, floating on the water, you know, even around those beautiful islands like Raspberry Island, it gets out there and it's all around the, the wildlife pref refuge. So. so one thing you said uh, in your Southwest Voices interview, research shows that people are much less likely to litter in a clean area. So if we can also keep the area around the lakes clean, that will help. I don't know if you go back to the same place time after I time. I wonder if you've noticed anecdotally like... For the time I've been doing this, it seems seems to be working. It seems to be discouraging at least some of the the litter from reoccurring because I've kept it clean. It's more likely to stay clean. You know, it's hard for me to gauge that exactly. I want to believe that that's the case. And I'm not sure if it's cleaner, especially bus stops are pretty bad. If it's not cleaner just because I've been cleaning it up or... It's cleaner because it's clean and people are less likely to throw stuff. I do know that, you know, like in a parking lot or a bus stop, if there's a bunch of trash everywhere, it's kind of just people will naturally go, well, like, what's one more, you know, right. cigarette pack? You know, what's one more, you know, uh, soft drink container? You know, there's a bunch of trash here. It must be a, a garbage can <laughs> here in the bus stop anyway. Um, but... I, you know, I'd like to believe that, and I'm going to keep believing that if we keep it clean, it's more likely to stay clean. Because they have done a lot of research on that, where they've taken the exact same people, you know, put them in a situation where it was a, you know, a, a very clean area or a very littered area, 
and people are much more likely to drop something in a heavily littered area. So tell me about your tools. If somebody wanted to do what Henry does on their walks, pick up trash, what do I need to take with me as I leave home to go on a walk to do this Great efficiently? Question. Thank you for asking that. So having a, um, a trash picker is super helpful. Um, the, the, at Fratelloni's, the cheapest one they have, $15, I think is probably the best one, honestly, because it's important that it actually squishes all the way together. I um, mean, they have some that look fancier that, you know, get about the clothes with an eighth inch gap or quarter inch gap. And, and there's a lot of stuff that you can't just pick up that way. Um, the thing I found, and I've tried a lot of different stuff, is a five gallon bucket. Um, so when you have a bag, if you're spending a lot of time opening the bag and the wind's blowing, and you're trying to get it in there. And, you know, the cool thing about the bucket is you can just set it down. It'll stay open. You can pick, dump, pick, dump, pick, dump. And then what I usually do is I just take that bucket and dump it into a trash can if I can find one. Um, and uh, the great thing there is it's less plastic. So I know when we have these Earth Day events, we bring out all these plastic bags, which you know you kind of have to do, but it kind of hurts me a little bit just to see all that extra plastic being thrown away. Um, two other things to keep in mind too, batteries don't go in the trash. I pick up a lot of vapes and lots of, you know, other things that are electronic. So I always keep those separate. And I've got a nice big stack of those that I'll have to dispose of properly somewhere. And um, the other thing is syringes. Uh, unfortunately, over the past, since uh, spring of last year, I think I've picked up, I've got my data here somewhere, probably around 105. I picked up two syringes today. Uh, 105, 110 syringes, and there was 40 syringes the previous year. So it's really sad, but yeah, I'm up to 110 syringes now. Wow. Um, those need to be disposed of properly also. So, um, you know, ideally what you're doing is um, putting those in a sharps box. And uh, Minneapolis Parks Board is very nice to give me a sharps box. I don't think they're that hard to get. What I also use is, because I don't want to carry around a sharps box, I have an old kind of uh, glasses case that's, you know, kind of just a long tube right around the right size, but it's nice and firm. So I'll put the syringes in that glasses case, and when I get home, I'll put them in the sharps box. Um, so the good news is I'm applying for grants from the Mississippi Watershed Management Organization, MWMO, and Hennepin County Green Partners Grant. Um, and with that money, I hope to be able to buy a whole bunch of this gear. Gloves is another important thing. Um, and just provide it to people. Um, so it's been really great connecting with uh, the Wedge um, uh, Neighborhood Association. Um, they, they're very excited about the kind of work I'm talking about doing and uh, are very supportive of it. Um, and if we can get uh, these grants will we'll have enough money to buy a whole bunch of pickers and buckets and gloves and, and all that stuff. All we need is help, really. Um, and, you know, it's actually, I find it's kind of meditative. It's like the Zen thing just going around. And then you walk back and you're kind of like, oh, this looks so much nicer when it's not trash mm. everywhere. Your neighborhood just mm. looks better. You know, even if you're only doing it on your street, it makes a big difference. 
gamify it look at how much trash you picked up you won yeah you won your walk for today (laughs) yeah right right uh do you have any other very interesting you gave us the the needle stats uh any other stats that uh, stand out? I saw the spreadsheet, the image of the spreadsheet uh, on Southwest Voices, and it seems very detailed. You are very yeah. obsessive about your track. <laughs> well, you know, data is power these days. You got to have your data. Um, right. So, you know, I wasn't sure whether or not I should pick up dead animals, uh, but I started picking them up because, uh, you know, that actually contributes to the phosphorus problem, too, I think. And if you got a picker, it's not too bad to pick them up. Um, you don't want to pick them up by hand, even with gloves on, it's kind of gross. But, um, so I've picked up 39. I just have the columns called critters because lately it's been a lot of fish from the lake, lots of dead fish around the edge of the lake, even dead turtles that are too big. Sometimes I see like muskies that are dead that are huge. I can't pick them up. I mean, I need a helper to pick up these fish. And I know the parks board will go around and, and pick up some of that bigger stuff here soon, hopefully. Um, and then I kind of keep track of like how many, um, how much trash have I picked up from my kayak? How much trash have I picked up like from the wedge neighborhood? Uh, and um, just to give you an idea, I've picked up, uh, uh, let me see what it I try and do it in gallons. I picked up 440 gallons of trash from the Wedge neighborhood. Um, and I do that because some people do pounds, but it makes a big difference whether it's wet or dry. Um, right. So I feel like volume is the key more so than weight. Um, and then I keep track of how much trash I've picked up f- from just on Hennepin. So if, if you consider Hennepin part of the Wedge, then you can um, add in another... Um, 1100 gallons. <laughs> um, so, um, it adds up pretty quickly. Uh, and then I keep trash, a uh, track of how much trash I've picked up just walking around the edge of the lake, just to give an idea of where it's located. And as I'm walking around the neighborhoods, the wedge or whatever, um, I keep track of what streets I was on. Um, so I found that I'm around 24th, 25th area. Um, and I found that Emerson, you know, around that area where it, you know, curves out into Hennepin and then goes down toward the school. Oof, that is bad. I've picked up so much trash on Emerson. Um, and, and there's a bit of trash around the school too, unfortunately. I, I sure love if they have some program for the students to, for them to get active if they're not already doing that. But I know, um, I believe Liz Stout uh, with Public Works wants to do a study of figuring out like where is a trash is, where it's a coming from. And I, I can kind of tell her, I, you know, if we had to do a heat map, I could kind of pretty quickly show like these are the worst areas. And a lot of it is areas right around Hennepin or especially in front of apartment buildings um, and, you know, fast food. Uh, those are the, the hot spots really. So you talked about applying for grant money from the county and was there another place you were? Yeah. MWMO as well. What is your vision for, uh, so you talked about handing out materials to people, the gloves and the tools. So uh, do you train people at all? Like what is your vision of what, and like, do you have a formalized organization? Uh, what's your vision of what you will do? Are you going to go out on walks with people? Are you going to train them? Anything in addition to like handing them the tools? Yeah. Yeah. So 
we do that here in, in East Isles already. Uh, Paula has been great in getting this safety walk club going. Um, and in addition to the safety walk, we also pick up trash. Um, so you know, sometimes we have five or seven people. Um, we have a monthly trash pickup that happens at Lake of the Isles on the second Saturday. EastIsles.org has all that information. Also, if you're on Facebook, uh, join Friends of Lake of Isles. This is a Facebook page I started uh, like a year ago, Friends of Lake of Isles. And what I was trying to do is find neighbors that also love the lake and, and build a community that way. Um, so my idea is with the grant money is working with the neighborhood associations uh, and Kenwood, Cedar Isles Dean, um, the Wedge have all been super supportive. Great, great people. Um, they know their community best. Um, what I'd like to do is use the money and um, uh, to help them facilitate their own events. Um, I can't do them all myself. Um, you wouldn't believe how much trash I've picked up over the past couple of years. I, sh I should give you the total here too, if you're interested. But um, the uh, the thing that I think would work really well is um, let, let's get people equipped because the limiting factor shouldn't be information or lack of equipment. Um, that's easy to fix. You know, like the equipment doesn't cost very much for like a little over $20. You can have everything you need to pick up trash. What's really valuable is people's time. And if people are willing to just even once a month, once a week would be even better, just once in a while, pick up some trash is a great thing to do for families. What a great thing for kids to learn um, and get that habit going. But the grant money is for two other things as well, not just trash pickup. Another way we can help tackle this is with the, the Adopt-A-Drain program. So um, one of the goals I have for this, if these grants get approved, is doing a raffle for Adopt-A-Drain. So it goes something like this. If you adopt a drain by such and such date, you'll be automatically entered in a raffle to win a $100 um, gift certificate to a local restaurant. We'll spend all the money on local businesses. And then in addition to that, maybe we'll get a bunch of, um, you know, uh, like there's this little brush rake and, uh, you know, um, uh, dustpan and stuff like to make it easy to clean drains. Um, right now, our drain adoption in our area is about 13%, which, believe it or not, is actually pretty good compared to a lot of communities. We'd like to double that to 25%. Um, according to Lane, who runs the program, he's like, wow, 25% would be amazing. I was hoping we could at least have 50% adopted. Uh, but if people were cleaned out their drains, that would reduce the amount of trash and reduce the amount of phosphorus pollution. Because, you know, what that does is you get that green algal bloom on the lake. Oh, God, it looks so ugly. And it's not only bad looking, it's dangerous. Like dogs can die from that. People can, too. Um, so um, and then there's a third thing, too, with that grant money. I'm hoping to reduce the amount of chloride that goes into the lake. So one teaspoon of salt that you put on your sidewalk permanently pollutes five gallons of lake water. And it never goes away. So after a certain number of years, the lake will just die. I mean, the fish will die. Um, you know, uh, it's, yeah, it'll be kind of sad. Uh, so we need to get ahead of this, I think. Uh, and there are alternatives to salt. There's a stuff called traction grit. So with the money, one of the things I want to do 
is um, have a traction grit giveaway. I've already talked to Fratelloni's about this. We'll just purchase, you know, 100 bags of traction grit. They're 10 pound bags um, at a time. And just like show up and get some free traction grit and use that instead of salt. Let's see how that works, you know. Um, so that's one solution. And then we could also hopefully pass out some information. We only moved here a couple of years ago. So a lot of this stuff is new to me. I bought a ton of salt. I didn't know how much salt you're supposed to use. It's very little. It's just like one grain of salt every inch. You know, putting on more than that really doesn't make a difference. And it doesn't work if it's lower than 15 degrees temperature. I knew none of that stuff. So I'm learning this stuff too. Um, and hopefully we can share that information with neighbors. We can reduce chloride. We can reduce uh, phosphorus and we can reduce trash pollution. Um, hopefully, uh, with these efforts. So uh, hey, this is a weird question, but how has this impacted your social life? Are you meet? Are people? Uh, how are people reacting to you on the street uh, with your bucket and your trash picker yeah. in hand? Yeah. Are people like, "Hey, the, here's a normal guy doing his part to pick up trash. Thank you, thank yeah. you for your service." Do they, do they wonder who you are, where you're from? Do they ignore you? How do people react to you? Yeah, I'm glad you asked this too. It's interesting. Um, kind of sociology experiment in a way, because um, a lot of people thank me. A lot of people say, we need more people like you. I'm like, come on, come on, let's do it. Um, but those are all older people. It is so rare that a younger person even acknowledges that I exist. I don't know why that is. It just happens to be the case. And occasionally when it happens, I'm like, oh, you talk to me. And you saw that I existed. Sometimes it has to do with my dog because I got a really cute dog. Shiner's a, a chocolate lab GSP mix and they want to say hello to the dog. And sometimes they'll ask me what I'm up to. Um, but it's almost always older people. Um, and some people stop and talk and I'll tell them about the Facebook page, Friends of Lake of Isles. And, you know, as a result, we've gotten a lot more interest. So, you know, we've got this group, um, Ellen, uh, with our, she heads up our green team at East Isles, um, has been super helpful with all this stuff. Um, our neighborhood association has been very, very helpful. And uh, I want to uh, start this group called Earthlings, you know. Um, so we're all Earthlings and uh, we're going to be the people that, you know, make our neighborhood look nice and clean and, and sweet. Um, so, yeah, so a lot of people will, will thank me and, and uh uh, you know, and they'll ask, like, sometimes they like, oh, are you, are you trying to find something in particular? Or, uh, one thing that happened this past weekend was really great. I was talking to one of the people, Kim, that showed up to pick up trash. And she said that the last time she went out, she had found a $20 bill. So, hey, people, if you need some motivation, right. I found a little bit of money, too. Not, not a $20 bill, but um, I found, you know, wallets. Um, I found license, driver's licenses, um, phones, a bunch of different stuff. And I successfully returned those to people, um, except for like one or two driver's licenses. I just could not find the person. Um, but, um, yeah, you, you do find some interesting stuff and, and people do talk to you. That's how, how I got in the Southwest Voices article is Charlie was just, um, walking by and he's like, Hey, what are you up to? And I told him, he's like, we need to talk. <laughs> and I was so thankful he did that. Um, Hill and Lake press also did an interview with me and I 
think there's one coming out in this next month's issue. I'm not sure. Uh, article I wrote about all this stuff too. So the more word we can get out, the better. Um, a, a little bit of a tangent topic, but San Francisco, they have a program that's amazing. We, my wife and I were just there visiting our daughter, um, you know, going back where we used to live. And, um, oh my God, I can't believe what Vincent's doing there. So I've been in touch with him and learned a lot. There's additional things we could do. And what I'd really like to see is just franchise this. Why not have a bunch of communities do this? You know, we can share with them what we've learned, you know, how to engage people. Um, and uh, it'd be really cool if all over the Twin Cities this was happening, you know. Yeah. So we're at the end, Henry. And the thing I usually ask people is I make an open-ended request for recommendations, things that they enjoy that they think, you know, the audience would enjoy doing like a hobby or a book or a movie, uh, a particular uh, place. I was thinking maybe I would limit yeah. it in your case to, uh, you know, a place that you enjoy that is free of trash. Where, where's the least trashy place you, you can think of I've in the city good answer that, you, for you. that you enjoy spending place yeah. time Yeah, there. I've got a good, great answer for you, I think. Year-round, <laughs> no matter what the weather is, rain or shine, you can have a great time at the MIA, Minneapolis Institute of Arts. I just love that museum. It's right in our neighborhood. Like people in the wedge can walk there. And it is amazing. Like they have this uh, Chinese bronze show going on now. It's actually ending in about a week or so. Um, and you would think Chinese bronzes, why do I care about those? But the way they've done this, they've taken a, uh, uh, a film and theater um, art director or designer and paired him with the curator of the Chinese. So they've got all this lighting and animating things and fabric. And it's just the display is absolutely amazing. I really enjoyed it. And there's a whole soundscape going on. So it kind of feels like you're in a room and you're hearing the sounds of a banquet and, and seeing all these cool uh, uh, vessels that some of them are like 3,500 years old and they were used as, you know, things that were like offerings to the gods or, you know, spiritual religious things, um, you know, uh, and uh, they're just so in intricate and detailed. The Walker Art Center is also amazing. There's a great show on uh, right now, uh, Petita's, um, this is all textiles, super colorful, really large pieces and Oh, you just, it doesn't matter what the weather's like outside. Um, and just a stroll through there. That's my happy place. I enjoy that. I've got uh, a Instagram account. It's just hlabonta, um, H-L-A-B-O-U-N-T-A. I think that's what it is. Um, and I just post art there. It's just all art. Um, so if you like fine art, um, you know, uh, and sometimes it's street art, all sorts of different stuff. Sometimes it's concerts. I just saw Ultra Bomb concert, which was so much fun. My my friend Greg, who used to be in Husker Du, um, has a new band, and they just rocked. It was so, at the Turf Club. Um, so I post stuff like that on my Instagram feed, uh, and uh, yeah, it's it's a good time. My guest has been Henry Labonta. Thank you, Henry, for uh, telling us about your efforts and offering us those recommendations. I'm your host, John Edwards, and this has been the Wedge Life Podcast. Thank you for listening. Oh, 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 oh